They say success leaves clues and to model success, right? So if you're looking for some information, motivation, and work ethic, well, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to Crushing It Real Estate with Joanne Tan. This podcast showcases real estate professionals who are crushing it in the real estate game. And today we have Steve Trang, the founder of Stunning Homes Realty, Offer Fast Homes, real estate disruptors, and the list goes on. So I'm going to go ahead and let him introduce himself and talk about all the different types of businesses that he has built up for himself. All right. Yeah. So like uh, Joanne said, I'm Steve Trang. I have the Real Estate Disruptors podcast. I got a brokerage. We have almost 1% market share. So we're in the Phoenix market, about 120 agents, depending on the day. And last year, you know, one, one out of every 135 homes sold, the entire Phoenix market was sold by our company. Got a title company, got a wholesale company, and we got the Offer Fast Homes app. And we're really just passionate. I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship and personal development, which I do think goes very much hand in hand. Wow, that's just so much that you have created. And it's very impressive, Steve. But how did you get started in real estate? So I got started actually. So I think like so many other people, at least on the investment side, you know, you, you read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, and you realize that W two is not for you. And so, and it's not like I just read the book and I quit. But I, I started looking at rental properties with three of my best friends. We actually started an LLC together, which was a massive train wreck. But that's you know what we started. And so we're buying rental properties along the way. I met a real estate agent who became a broker. And I was talking to him at this time, I was at Intel as an engineer making 70,000 a year. And I was talking to him, he's making 100,000 a year. You learn later on revenue and profit are two totally different things. But, you know, I'm talking to him, find out what he does. And I said, you know, like, what do you do exactly? He says, I just talk to people. I said, that's it. He said, yeah. And you make 100,000 a year. He said, yes. I said, okay, great. If I wanted to learn how to do that, what do I need to do? He said, go get your license. I'll teach you everything I know. So I uh, got my real estate license in two and a half weeks. This is May of 2007. So I got my license in two and a half weeks, submitted my two weeks notice and just went all in, just in the real estate. And so I tell people, this is kind of like my lost decade because you start, you know, you read uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad, you start uh, to want to build personal wealth, portfolio, passive income, and then I became a realtor for some reason, which is not, <laughs> this is just more active income. It's not passive income. So I did that and I chased that you know, real estate for a while, but it wasn't until about 2012 that we actually started getting side income, not passive income, but side income, meaning that even though I was a real estate agent and broker, I was starting to make money on the side flipping houses. So start flipping houses and then you run out of money. And once you start running out of money, well, now you need to sell these good deals to somebody else. So you sell it to other uh, wholesalers or flippers to make you know sizable uh, chunks of cash on the side. And then uh, with the brokerage, you know, I'm growing slowly, catching a lot of people's eyes. And so I got people saying, hey, you know, we should work together on mortgages. We should work together on title. And so I started a title company uh, as a joint venture with somebody else where they do all the work. But the title company, you know, it, it pays really well passively. I don't have to do anything. But it wasn't until ar- around 2014, 15 that really the reason why I quit 
my engineering job in 2007 actually came into fruition. So that's why I, I kind of call it the lost decade, right? Lost sight of what the goal was. I mean, it sounds like you wanted passive income, you quit, but found a lot of different ways to make active income where you were still trading your time for money. And yep. then almost a decade later is when you finally got to that passive income stage. So I'm wondering like, if you could do it over, like old Steve, would you still take the steps that you took or would you go a different path this time around? Yeah, I would have done two different two things completely differently. I, so I've always said before, I've got no regret. You know, I became who I am because of you know the, the actions and so on. But looking back, I would have started becoming an active investor sooner. So I learned about wholesaling, which is basically you're buying properties at like sixty-five to seventy percent of market value, and you're selling it to somebody else for ten to fifteen thousand difference, where you keep where you keep that. Uh, amount without actually closing on the property, right? And you watch all those infomercials, buy a house with no money down. That's what wholesaling is. And it's real. It sounds crazy, but it's real. So I heard about, I learned about it in 2007 when I got into real estate because my cousin quit his job like four or five months after I quit my job. And he was telling me about it. And I was like, Wayne, that sounds like a fad. That's not going to last. And boy, I was wrong. I was really wrong, right? So I would say I probably would have started that earlier. I don't know if I'd be the same person I am today because I had to spend a lot of time developing me to be the entrepreneur I am today. Who knows? But I would have started that earlier. And then I started my podcast because uh, having a podcast, you get an unfair amount of credibility and authority for being a, a podcaster. It's unfair the amount of respect you get. So I wish I would have started that earlier. Get into wholesaling earlier and podcasting sooner. If you you would have done those two things if you were to do anything differently. But 100%. I'm I'm sure like your path led you to who you are today too. So like you said, you Absolutely. might not be the same person if you really did do those things before. One hundred percent. Now it sounds like you're really um, into this whole wholesaling thing. Is there any wholesale deals like that come top of mind that you want to share with us? Like the numbers are just too good, or you're just is your favorite deal? Uh, well, we got one right now. So when COVID hit, so I run my business lean on purpose. One of the things being a traditional real estate agent, everyone's talking about how many houses they sold, how much commission they brought in. And that's what everyone puffs their chest on. You know, they brag about, this is just kind of the, the, the ego component, right? This is the vanity metrics, like how many followers I got, how many likes I have in my posts. And I was caught up in that mess too. and. I, rec- I recognize after a couple of years of, you know, competing, you know, I, I fought my way to number 38 out of 40,000 agents in the Phoenix market, you know, we're consistently selling hundred houses a year. And I'm not saying this to brag about me. I'm saying like, I got there. I hit my goals of being top 1%, top 0.1% in our market. And my bottom line didn't change. It didn't change. I made more revenue. I worked more hours, but my bottom line didn't change. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's what matters. And so when we got into wholesale, when we added this as a supplemental business, from, from day one, we ran it lean on purpose because I wasn't going to chase the metrics. I wasn't going to talk about how many deals we sold or how much money we made because, again, what matters is your bottom line. So uh, the reason why I bring this up is we're running lean on purpose because we're waiting for a recession, right? So all of 2019, we ran lean. All of 2020, we've been running lean. 
and then bam, COVID happens. And a lot of people are hurting, a lot of people are struggling, but we're totally fine. In fact, everyone I knew was letting people go and we didn't let one person go, right? And so the opportunity that were presented to us because of our financial situation, because of the way we set ourselves up, now we're getting better opportunities, more deals that I didn't get to look at before, deals that were other investors would get. Now they're coming to us. Will you look at this deal? Will you buy this deal? So we're able to buy properties cheaper than we were able to buy them pre-COVID. So I'll give you an example right now. We got one that we're closing, uh, I think on Tuesday, where it's worth, I, we estimate it's probably worth about 320000 fixed up. It was brought to us. It was listed for two seventy five. It was one of the worst photography jobs I think I've seen in the listing. Convinced the guy used an iPhone 4 or 5. And so it was brought to us. It was listed at 275 And the investor that brought it to us said, hey, I have this under contract for 220 Would you be interested in, in, in buying this? He said, no, not 220 Not This is beginning COVID, right? We don't know what's going to happen in the market in a few months. 220 the the, the spread is there. But the risk versus the upside for us, this, this, this doesn't make sense for us. And they said, well, what do you need to be at? I said, we need to be at 200. He went to the sellers, came back. Okay, if you can close on Friday, which at this point is two days. Right? If you can close on Friday at 200, they said, yes. So, okay, done. I'll buy at 200. So we moved heaven and earth. And we, got, we were able to close on Friday at 200. All we did was fill the pool, clean the backyard, not trim, not landscape, clean it. Cause it looked like there was a fraternity party in the backyard. So we filled the pool, we cleaned the backyard. We took photos with quality <laughs> photography, listed it, I think at 269 around there. And we, we, we sold it for 275. So we're going to make on that one deal, we're splitting it with the wholesaler. We're going to make about 45,000 on that deal. Nice. In a matter of days. In a matter of days. But that only happened because we were running lean, right? So, like, we're able to benefit uh, from this crisis while everyone else is panicking like a chicken with with their heads cut off. We're the calm in the storm. We're ready, prepared for any opportunity. Because, like I said, we've been preparing for a recession since all of 19. Yeah, I mean, they say luck comes to the prepared, right? So you had already been, you know, anticipating a recession. So you were running lean for the last like two years while other people are panicking. Now you're ready to go when the deals are coming online. So exactly. And we're getting more and more of those opportunities now. And even though the market's back to normal, right? Like the real estate market is the economy, not quite, but the real estate market is people are still, you know, recovering, you know, people, they let go, their systems are not quite the same, right? Whereas we're still coming along. Yeah. It sounds like you've been functional. You've been up and running, going at the same pace, if not even faster during your full time. We had the benefit. It didn't feel like a benefit at the time because it was terrible, but I started in real estate in 07. So I got to witness all the realtor people I knew lose, you know, everything, including their, their spouses, right? Their marriage, uh, their cars, all those, you know, everyone's driving a Mercedes. I got to witness everyone lose everything on top of the realtors, the contractors, all the good contractors. Also, you know, all jobs stopped. 
all flipping, all repairs, right? Like it just stopped. So these guys are also going through divorces, also losing their everything, right? So part of me has a little bit of, you know, trauma. So part of it also was getting ready for the next recession because I've already been through one of them. I don't want to go through another one the same exact way. Yeah. I mean, that I think gives you an advantage because you have gone through the last one. How was it starting in 07? And then, you know, in two years or so, the economy, the housing market completely just tanks and you're in real estate now. You left your steady job. Right. Yeah. um, So it was definitely tough. I started in 07. One thing that I've never been short of is confidence. And so uh, 2007 through 2009 did a great job of teaching me a little bit of humility. You know, I thought I can conquer the world and nothing can stop me. But in reality, there are certain things <laughs> that you that can stop you. And so in 2008, which was my first full year, I actually filed my tax returns and it was negative 50000 meaning my expenses exceeded my revenue by $50,000. I still remember being at my accountant's office when he, when we finished taxes and he just looked at me. He couldn't even make eye contact. He's like, I'm sorry, you know? But I still have to charge you for you know the taxes, which of course I understand. Um, but that taught me a great deal uh, of humility, right? Gave me the 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 punch in the gut I needed to to understand like I can't just walk, step in and expect to just conquer. You know, like you do have to put in the work, you do have to put in the time, you do have to work on yourself. Which at that time I didn't realize I needed. So. It sucked at the time, but it gave me what I needed to be a better person, to be a better business owner. And like I said, prepared us for today where we're doing fine while everyone else has, you know, got the hair on fire. Yeah, I think it that's really powerful. And I think most people probably have to do some self-work, but they don't realize it. And it sounds like, you know, the recession was that catalyst that helped you realize there was something that, you know, could if you worked on, take you to another level. Yep. What Do you have any words of advice for people who, you know, haven't necessarily gone through a recession? Lots of people have been re- uh, investing in, let's say, like the last five years or so, and they've been doing great. You know, they've been doing really well, but they're mm-hmm. super worried because they don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, from what I see like 10 years ago, if we do head into a recession, like things aren't going to show right away like even right now, right? It's, it's right. delayed by a year, by two years even. Mm-hmm. I, I would say the biggest thing is just finding someone that's been through it. So right now, even with the things I've accomplished, I still have a mentor. I have multiple mentors and I'm in multiple masterminds. So you get, you know, plug into people that have been through something like this, something that's... Uh, so the mentor I have right now, he's, he started in 1998, meaning he made it through .com. 9-11, 2008, right? And now COVID. Like that's one more thing to add to his resume. But I'm in a mastermind where there are some of the top wholesalers and investors in the country are all in one room. And so you get to ask them questions. And you know, some people you can pick up the phone and call. Some people, some people you can message on Facebook. Some people you just post in the Facebook group. But you need to find someone that's been through it that uh, you can model someone, especially, uh, or specifically, you also want someone that you can resonate with, someone that lives a life that you want to have. So I think just reaching out, finding someone like that, I think it's, is the best way to make sure you navigate out of this with the least amount of scars. 
Because we're all going to get beat up a little bit. We're all going to get bruised a little bit. There's a book I'm loving right now, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. And one of the big lessons in that book is it's not just about how much you make, right? It, that, the, that's not enough. It's also how little you lose. And that's what we're going through right now. Yeah, that's powerful. And I think a lot of people, either they're scared to reach out or they don't realize yet maybe the power of mentorship or they're just not ready. But I I remember actually a funny story. You are one of the first people I think I DM'd when I started my real estate Instagram account. And you know, I was just asking him for some help and you were readily available. You were readily available and you just answered my question right away. So I think for people who want to reach out but are scared, I say just do it, you know, just try. And you know, if that person's not available, there will be someone else who is. And right. yeah, any any advice for people who, you know, how to find the right mentor too, right? Because there's a lot of people out there um, who want to help and there's different styles too. So I think yeah. you have to find one that fits you. Yeah. So I would say the first, to answer the first question, you know, always reach up. Don't be afraid to reach up. When I was, you know, trying to get better, this is around 2009, I went you know, you could print a report of all the top realtors in town. And I reached out to a few of them and I called them and I said, can I buy you lunch? Can I pick your brain? And a few of them said, yes. You know, in fact, one of them that was really successful, very successful. And she said to me, like, I was happy. I, I, you know, I said, thank you for, for meeting with me. She's like, I'm happy to meet with you because I want to know who's the next generation of realtors that's going to be taking over when I'm done. Like how awesome is that, right? So you look at a lot of people that are successful. They're successful because they're givers, because they they have a, a big heart. Like the idea of you watch when you watch TV or Wall Street, you think everyone is you know cutthroat. But you'll find in life, most businesses are ran by business leaders, not by just cutthroat salespeople. Uh, so that's the first part. Uh, second part, you know how to find someone that you resonate with. I think social media goes pretty far, but I think the other things is. You know, just really make sure it passes the smell test, especially if you're going to be handing out, if you're, if you're going to be swiping credit card, like just make sure like you do your research, Google the person, ask around, don't just go with the first guy. You know, it, 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 unfortunately, I mean, I've heard a lot of horror stories of people that, have, you know, pay the wrong mentor. And so I uh, want I don't know if this applies here, but Darren Hardy is someone I look up to a lot. And he says that he's always getting approached by people that want to manage his finances. And he says, hey, you know what? I don't care about your spiel. It's not personal. I don't care about any of that. Send me a copy of your 1040 from last year. And if it if it's, looks like kind of how I want mine to look, then I will hire you. Right? But if you're making... You know, and I don't want to disrespect anybody. If you're making forty thousand a year as an accountant, you're just not qualified to help someone that's making you know two million a year, right? It's just a different level, right? So a guy that's making two million a year probably wants a finance person that's generally dealing with people that are making two million a year. Right. They probably just won't know like all the ins and outs and everything. Right. Like that. And, and to qualify, I'm not saying I make too many here. I'm saying Darren Hardy, someone I look up to. Right. 
Uh, yeah, totally. And something that I look into too, just to add on to that is like, would I want to trade lives with them? Like, are they yes. living the life that I want? Because I don't want to really take advice from someone who's not doing what I want to be doing, or I wouldn't want to live their same life. Right. Exactly. I think that's a very, very good point. And you'll see like, you know, no one, I'm not saying I don't like fast cars, but when you go on my Instagram, you're not going to be seeing, you know, all the cars. Right. I, I, I wear, you know, this nerdy Garmin watch just to track my running habits. That's it. So find someone that maybe dresses like you or dresses how you want to dress, drives the kind of cars you drive, um, has the kind of family or travels the way you want to travel. Right. Just find someone with a lifestyle that resonates with you, but they make that money doing the business you want to do, not from the just selling coaching. And it's hard. To, it's really hard to differentiate or, 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 you know, figure that out through just social media. Yeah, it can be challenging, but I think if, if you can find someone who resonates with you like that, it will be probably most beneficial to you in the mentoring. And Steve, you have your own like mentorship program too, right? Like what is that about? Yeah. So uh, on top of everything else I do, uh, I also teach sales training, you know, helping people convert more on the phones and convert in the living rooms because we deal with homeowners. But a part of that training also is an entrepreneurship mindset. Uh, so how to be a good entrepreneur, how to be a good business leader, uh, because all the businesses I have, I don't really work more than four hours a week in any of the businesses. Okay. Like everyone is helping me. Like this is not about Steve. This is about Steve's companies and the incredible people behind it. So, you know, it's cool to say I have 120 agents, but really I have 120 agents that are managed by Summer and Lisa in my company. Okay. And, you know, it's, you know, I've got the title company, but it's all managed by another person. I've got my wholesaling company, but it's all managed by Max. And you can't do that if you're not a good leader, if you don't empower people, uh, if you don't train people properly. And so part of our, our coaching has kind of evolved into a mastermind for more or less sharing what's working for me. But truth be told, what's working for me is what I've borrowed very liberally from all the other coaching I've gone through. You know, I spent, I think, over 300000 in personal development. Like I mentioned earlier, Darren Hardy is one of my heroes. He released a, a coaching product two weeks ago. Sign up for it. Didn't even think twice about it. Right? He's got a product. I bought it. Because he's, he's got someone. I wouldn't want the lifestyle he's got but I want the businesses that he's got. There's entrepreneur strategic coach. You know, I've gone through that program. Craig Proctor was the real estate coaching program that I went through. Sandler, a lot of the stuff that I teach on sales, I learned from David Sandler. Chris Voss, you know, he wrote the book on negotiations. A lot of that's incorporated into our style. So what I'm teaching uh, in our, in our uh, um, mastermind is just me taking everything I've learned, how I've applied it to my business, and just sharing that with everyone else. The things that people have mentioned that what they liked about our, our mastermind is that I'm very quick to tell you where I think you're wrong. I'm not saying I'm necessarily right. It's just that if you're doing something and I'm not sure this is what you really should be doing, I'll tell you that versus like being kind of quiet about it. And it's always from position of I want you, I want to help. It's never from position of like tearing you down. I don't want anyone feeling bad about themselves. I have made multiple people cry, not within our coaching program, at least not to my knowledge. But, you know, at the brokerage, some of the people, high level people that I work with, because they'll do something and I'm not screaming. I've never raised my voice. Besides my kids, I don't raise my voice. Okay. But I'm going to tell you exactly what's on my mind. And I'm going to tell it to you unfiltered. 
again, I'm not cursing at him. I'm not raising my voice. It's just, hey, what's going on with this? This is not like, it was supposed to be this. Like, why is it not that? And, but some people will take it very personally. So again, the feedback I've gotten from our coaching program is that they appreciate that I'm very honest and direct and doing my best to accelerate their growth. Yeah, sounds like you tell it like it is, huh? No filter. Right. <laughs> but no it's filter. Com- coming from a good place, you know, you want them to grow right. and you want them to succeed. Yeah. So what's like a taste of that program? What's something, because it, it covers like sales, it covers entrepreneurship. Like what is that one thing, if someone just takes away one thing from this podcast today, that could help them, whether it's in their business, in their life, in real estate. Yeah. So I would say one of the biggest things is from our our program is really effective communications, which applies everywhere. Okay. That's useful in in your business. That's useful when you're managing employees and managing uh, a homeowner's expectations, uh, talking to your wife, talking to your kids. Like it really impacts everything at a very high level. So the message that we teach in here in our program is Mae West has said this, you know, your mom might have said this. It's not what you say but how you said it, right? And that's something like, would you agree with that? Yeah, and, totally. And we don't. So what we say is not what you say. It's not how you said it. It's how it was received, mm-hmm. okay? Because they've got their own filters. And so like when you say something and you know it landed incorrectly, how can you tell? <laughs> Browse furrow, maybe they start leaning back, they cross their arms. So for us, it, we really spend a lot of time on effective communication. And so one of the ways to do it is, you know, like uh, I'll give you an example, right? One of the most common questions you get, Hey, Joanne, how long have you been in business? What would you say? I started October, 2018. <laughs> okay. So someone asked me, Hey, how long have you been in business? Like, you know, well, I got licensed back in 2007. You know, I'm curious. You must've asked me that question for a reason. Mm. And then they'll tell me why they asked that question. Like, oh, we just want to make sure you've been around for a while. Okay, been around for a while. Because, and they say, well, we just want to make sure that we're working with someone that knows what they're doing. Okay, so it's really important. It sounds like it's really important to you that you're working with a professional that's very competent to say yes. Okay, so I can show you how we're competent. If we can show you some uh, people that we've helped along the way, is that something you feel comfortable? Right? So you get to the core. Yeah, why did they ask that question? But like, Usually someone asks you how long you've been in the business. The quick answer is like, well, I started this time. I've been in business for this. I'm excited about it or whatever. And they'll just start rambling on. But, and it's cool for a podcast, right? How long have you been in business? That's a question that you can answer. There's no hidden agenda. But if you're talking to a prospect, whether someone's looking to buy a house, sell a house, work with you in some capacity, that question has a hidden meaning. And it's up to you to figure out what it is. So we spend a lot of time uh, learning how to communicate effectively, get clarification because, you know, I, I'm, I'm studying neuro-linguistics programming recently. NLP is really nerdy, but the premise is our brain is operating faster than any supercomputer. Okay. But our words are limited. <laughs> like the, the vocabulary, uh, how fast we can get the words out, how fast you can receive the words. Like that's all very, very limited. So for me, for me to understand what's going on in your brain, it's going to be really difficult. It's, it's, it's impossible. So when you say something, I want to clarify, really understand what that means. So we spent a lot of time 
learning how to communicate effectively. That's cool. I didn't know you were learning NLP. I've always been interested in that as well. Yeah. Sounds like I could benefit from some of your coaching too <laughs> on communication. I think every I think everyone would, but I don't think it makes sense for everybody. It's kind of expensive. Gotcha. What yeah. can someone expect to pay for a coaching like session or training program through you? Uh, so right now for our our online mastermind, it's six thousand for six months. It's all online group coaching. For someone that just wants just an hour of my time, I have it on my Instagram um, link. You know, we charge five hundred dollars for an hour, and that's like focus. That's me like laptops closed, and I'm and it's only you and me. There's no like someone walking in my office. You got a minute? I value your time. I value you know working together. So if someone wanted to just work with me directly, it's five hundred dollars for one hour. The Zoom calls recorded. You get a copy of it. Everything. Uh, that's not going to work for most people, but that's something that we have available. Awesome. That's amazing. I mean, it sounds like you are laser focused in what you want from your life and how to get there. What is that driver behind all of your own motivation? You know, how do you get to that level of clarity to be able to run multiple businesses, but only spend like four hours each on one of them? Yeah. I think it comes down to personal development as far as the clarity and the focus. My The best course for time management, because most time management is a complete joke. So the best one is uh, Darren Hardy's Insane Productivity. You know, it's $2,000, but it's like the best $2,000 ever spent. You'll make so much money from just that $2,000 from that that course. But as far as I think you were asking, like, you know, what my purpose is, what my why is, I I get that question a lot. And unfortunately, I don't have an answer for it. You know, there are a lot of people that have very strong clarity. They'll say, you know, it's money, which is usually not the case. Well, let's say this is their family, but I don't really believe it's the case either because you can support your family with a regular W-2 income. So I think for me, I don't know, is, you know, I, was, I came here as an immigrant, right? My parents came here when I was an infant. And I think it's just being, I think we just have a chip on our shoulders. You know, it's that I'm the oldest of six boys. And I think... Part of that, like, you know, mom and dad always said, you have to take care of us when we get older. If anything happens to us, you're taking care of all your younger brothers and they're all doing fine. But, you know, it was something that was always put upon me. And then I think maybe part of it also is I think growing up Asian, we're kind of screwed up because of, I think, the Tiger Mom book. You know, the way we're raised is if you got a 99, if you brought a 99% home, it was, what did you, why didn't you study harder? Like where's the one percent? Yeah, but if you bring home a hundred percent, you don't get any accolades. You don't get any love for a hundred percent. And so I think you know I can't remember the the author's name. What she said it was that there's three things that happen when you're raised in that environment. You're super competitive, which is not a bad thing. You're an achiever, which again not necessarily a bad thing, but you also have low self esteem because it's never good enough. Right, so those are the three things that happen if you grow up in a very strong traditional Asian culture. So I think that's part of it. It's just that it's never. Enough. I want to achieve everything, but I'll never be satisfied. Now I don't have a self esteem problem, but I think those <laughs> the the competitive, the achiever, and uh, it'll never be good enough. I think that's part of like when I watch her do a TED talk. It's like I think that's my why. I'm not sure that's a good why, but I think that's my why. 
Yeah, I totally relate with the not good enough thing. I think that's still something I battle with every day. And like yeah. you said, with the Asian upbringing, it's like, I don't know if it's like this for everybody, but I know for a lot of people, it's like shameful to put your parents in a home, right? Like they want you. Oh, you can't put your parents in a home? Yeah. No, that's terrible. That's totally unacceptable. Yeah. But but for a lot of people, that's like, that's very acceptable. That's the norm. They expect to, you know, end up in a home where they want to, even yeah. because there's like full service and anything like that. But for at least like my parents or a lot of other Asian parents, I know that's like the worst thing that could ever happen. Yeah. Oh, you, you would, you would, you, you effectively murdered them if you put them in the in, in, in home. And that's something they even said to me, communicate to me while I'm in high school. You're never going to put us in home. Like that was communicated to us. <laughs> To me, being the oldest son in high school. Oh, yeah. That's the other thing, too. You know, you're like the firstborn, right? The mm -hmm. oldest. So lots of responsibility probably placed on your shoulders. A lot of responsibility, yes. Yeah. Do you have, you know, any advice for someone just starting out, you know? Maybe they're like you in 07 and they just quit their job and they're like, yes, I want to do real estate full time. Or they're maybe half halfwaying it, right? Like one foot in, yeah. one foot out, part-time agent type of thing. Any mm -hmm. any words that you would give them? Yeah, you gotta fail as fast as you can. And it's a mantra, sounds kind of cliche, but at the end of the day, who wins? Knowledge doesn't win, right? If what you knew would make you wealthy, everybody would be wealthy because you can find anything on Google or YouTube. Knowledge is not what wins. Preparation isn't necessarily what helps you win. We talked about how being prepared has helped us right now, but preparation doesn't necessarily help you win. What helps you win is taking lots of action. And the great thing about taking action is that even if you're wrong, you can correct it very quickly. And so I think like a lot of people worry about taking the wrong step, but you'll find that if you'll take the wrong step quickly, you can figure out what the right step is much faster than not taking an action. Now, I'm, I'm lucky. I've taken a Colby test, Colby, K-O-L-B-E. And it kind of talks about your tendencies. So fortunately, the way I'm wired is I'm going to move very fast. It may not be right. But, you know, I talked about, I got my license in two and a half weeks, submitted my two weeks notice. I just went for it. My podcast, like I said, I started in 2018. I watched a guy on stage, Brendan Burchard says, hey, you should start a podcast. I said, hey, I should start a podcast. And I announced my podcast four days after he said on stage. And then next week I was already live on Facebook with my first episode. And that could have been a massive failure. That could have been totally embarrassing in my mind. You know, I'll do the podcast. I'll do 10 episodes. And if it sucked, really, if it sucked, nobody would know. Right. If it crashed and failed, nobody would even know. So I think that just going out there and taking massive action, you'll find that, you'll find the right way to go much faster than if you don't take action. Yeah, sounds like you move at lightning speed, which is amazing because I know so many people who are just stuck thinking about doing something and worried about how it will turn out when when they actually try it, it may be completely different. So I feel like a whole bunch of time is just wasted in that mm -hmm. preparation, thinking, wanting to do it phase. Whereas if you, you know, like in development they say like ship then iterate right like get yep. it out there and then make it better and better right. and better because you can think so much but when you actually do it it will be different not only will it be different but you'll find that what you wanted maybe wasn't the right thing 
right? And the other thing, and this is an example I like to give to some of the people that I'm training is just think about the last time you spilled ketchup on your shirt. Okay. I'm just going to take a step back. Think about the last time you had, you were talking to somebody after work, not after work, after lunch at work. All right. So you work with some people and you all went out to lunch and you came back. When's the last time you actually remember a ketchup stain, coffee stain, or mustard stain on somebody's outfit? But you know it happens, right? But when it happens to you, you're like fearful. Someone's going to make a comment. Someone's going to laugh. Has anyone ever laughed at your coffee stain or ketchup stain? Yeah, they don't even notice. They don't even notice because everyone's so caught up in their world. So the great thing is you don't have to worry what anyone's thinking because the truth is they're not even worried about you. They're not even thinking about you. That is so true. I think people are in their own heads and they don't even realize that no one else really cares that much what you're saying, what you're doing, what you're up to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Is there anything we didn't touch upon today yet, Steve, that you want to talk about? I would say the big thing, well, maybe I'll say this is relevant today, relevant for the last couple of months, is just be careful whatever you're putting out there. I mean, we're seeing careers being destroyed today due to social media, due to, due to an outfit two years ago or a tweet, you know, six years ago. And so I would say everyone needs to do a good job. And I, I, I know we're to land the free, but don't put out controversial stuff. Don't put out something that you can lose half of your potential clients. Right. So I think just be a good steward of your own brand and it's, you know, it's easy to, you know, call someone like a coward, right? Like, you know, Michael Jordan during his greatness, you know, people said, yeah, but he's never talked about social issues, but he has one job and it's to play basketball. Now it's relevant today as an athlete that speak on social issues. And that's great. But for everyone here, the potential listeners, we're not at that level where we can say something and we're going to walk away totally unscathed. Something you can say can completely wreck your business. So I was reading an article a couple of days ago where I don't even know what her name is, but she was friends with Markle something. And like someone had accused her of racism and her response was like, I'm going to sue you for accusing me of racism. And that response caused her to lose two television shows. Right. And so like, these are the kind of consequences that didn't exist five years ago. So I think it's really important today to really focus on your brand and your business, you know, donate to the causes you believe in. I don't care what your causes are. Donate to your cause, support them. But social media, like just be smart because it's so easy. And we we're talking about the dumb tax early, right? The road less stupid. You can lose a lot. Your job is to minimize your losses. Be smart about what you say because it can come back to haunt you very quickly. Yeah, that's so timely and relevant, you know, with all this social media, like we're barely figuring it out right now, what the consequences may look like years from now, because it's still relatively new. Right. Yeah. And, and I think something to remember about the internet is it never really goes away. What you put out there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I actually had to fire somebody two weeks ago. Oh, wow. Yeah, because stuff they're putting, and I couldn't believe, like, I actually someone sent it to me. And I couldn't believe he said it on Facebook. Yeah, say that. What's wrong with you? So, yeah, it's just it's just crazy, and I hate it, right? Like, you know, like all in all, I think he's a nice guy, but you're an ambassador of our brand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, 
So be mindful of what you're putting out there and make sure it's something you would, I guess, want your kids or your grandkids to see because it represents your brand, right? Right. And also, I mean, just being positive. And again, I'm not saying like, you know, shove your head in the sand, but people want to work with other positive people. They don't want to work with negative people. So, yeah. So Maybe, Maybe not a strong message, but I think a timely message. Mm-hmm, definitely. You've dropped so many nuggets today for the listeners, and I'm so grateful. Thank you so much for coming on the show. If Thank you for listeners, having me. Yeah, no problem. If listeners want to find you, where they, where can they find you at, Steve? Yeah, the best way to get a hold of me is just on Instagram, just like you mentioned earlier, at steve.trang, S-T-E-V-E dot T-R-A-N-G. That's where I'm most responsive. I am not the most responsive. It could take me 48 hours. But I will respond. And the reason why it's important to me is because I've been that guy who needed help, who reached up. And I still remember other people that ignored me, disregarded me. So for as long as I can, I will continue to help and lift as many people as I can because I I think that's part of our responsibilities. That is amazing. Just slide in the DMs like I did. (laughs) (laughs) I will respond. And your podcast. Yep. Real Estate Disruptors. So you can find this on YouTube, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify. It, it took off, you know, thankfully. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't, know, I didn't know if anyone would care, but it's taken off. So yeah, uh, real estate disruptors. We talked to investors who went from nothing to massive success. So we talked about the journey. It's a lot of... Un- the, the topic is wholesaling and flipping. But really, for those that listen to it, it's really about the entrepreneurial journey because we all start struggling solopreneur like we they're on the show because they have businesses but we all started from nothing yeah be sure to check it out and everything will be linked in the show notes so find it there thanks steve thank you so many nuggets in this conversation here are my top eight takeaways one if you want to do something start now 10 years later, you're going to wish you had. Two, revenue and profit are two different things. Don't chase the vanity metrics. Concentrate your efforts on the numbers that actually matter. Three, on finding a mentor. Plug into people who have been through what you're going through and find someone with a lifestyle that resonates with you and makes money doing the thing you want to do. Four, don't be afraid to reach out. People are successful because they are givers. Five, It's not what you say or how you say it, but how it was received. Six, fail as fast as you can because knowledge doesn't win. If what you knew would make you wealthy, everyone would be wealthy. What helps you win is taking lots of action. Seven, everyone's caught up in their own world. You don't have to worry about what they'll think because they're not even thinking about you. Eight, be careful what you put on social media. It means so much to me that you took the time and spent a little bit of it with me today. Thank you so much. And if you want more like this, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, because I have some really great guests lined up and I don't want you to miss them. If you felt anything during this episode, whether it's inspired, motivated, or uplifted, I'm not sure how you could have listened without feeling any of those things. Well, please take a second and share this episode with someone directly or on your Instagram and tag us and we'd be happy to reshare what you post. Thank you so much and I'll see you in the next one.